And thank you all for being here. It's good to see you and to be with you as we begin a new season of the church year, as we begin a new church year, a new year in the church with Advent. We come to celebrate, and it's good to to be together. It's good to uh, be a part of the children's pageant, not a part, but just an observer just a little while ago. And uh, it's my second one that I have observed, and it's delightful. So thank you to Karen and all the folk who make that possible. It's a joy. It just really is good to see so many young folk around here, so many children and their families. It's, uh, it's terrific. You don't find that everywhere. You don't find that in most places. So um, it's an honor to, uh, to be a part of that. Our scripture lesson for today, and I want to read part of the scripture lesson. Then as I go through the message today, there are parts of Mary's song that I want to lift up again as the Chancel Choir and Monique have already done in such a beautiful way. And then we'll end with some verses from Luke chapter 2 as we anticipate the days to come. But our scripture lesson for today, our opening reading, is Luke chapter 1 beginning with verse 26. It is a gospel lesson and I will ask you to stand as you are able for the reading of the Holy Gospel. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me. According to your word. Then the angel departed from her. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. You may be seated. And also a word of gratitude to the Wilkins family, Kevin. Thank you all for the Advent devotional this morning. On this first Sunday in Advent, I want to begin a series of messages with the theme, What the Baby Saw. Who are these faces around the manger? And later faces in the temple and later still faces in the house where the Holy Family had taken up residence. Today we begin with Mary. On the second Sunday in Advent, we'll talk about Joseph. The third Sunday in Advent, December 16th this year, will be a Sunday of mostly music, anthems that are held together by some narratives, some readings. But we'll think a little bit in the devotional that day about the creatures who surrounded the babe 
all those animals whose space had been invaded by this family looking for somewhere to stay. And then on the fourth Sunday in Advent, we'll talk about the shepherds. Christmas Eve, we'll think about the angels, things, faces that the baby saw. And then on that Sunday after Christmas, first Sunday in the Christmas season, we're going to think about two older folks in the temple. We'll journey to the temple where we'll find Simeon and Anna and the faces that the babe saw there. And then on January the 6th, the day of Epiphany, which happens to fall on a Sunday this year, and it's always nice when that happens, we'll talk about how the wise ones came to the house where the Holy Family was in residence and what the babe saw in those amazing faces so long ago. For today, there is Mary. How many books and sermons and Sunday school lessons and poems and songs have all been written, have all been composed to describe who this incredible woman was and and what she was sensing and feeling with this awesome call that had fallen upon her life and how that had changed her life in ways she, she could not begin to imagine. Different faith traditions view Mary a little differently and that's okay because in every Christian faith tradition Mary is a significant figure and we need to understand what we can about her and learn what we can from someone who handled what could have been a difficult painful thing so well the songs that have been written oh my there's so many and we all have our favorites one of my Favorites is Breath of Heaven, the Amy Grant song, and uh, some of the lyrics. And I know perhaps you've heard the song, and you can hum along with the tune. This is Mary, who is contemplating what's happened to her, and mainly, why her? With all the folk in the world God could have chosen, (laughs) Why, Mary? That's what she wondered. I've traveled many moonless nights, cold and weary, with a babe inside, and I wonder what I've done. Holy Father, you have come and called me to carry your son. And then she speaks of breathing in a silent prayer, how the breath of heaven, the Spirit of God, is holding her together and helping her through these these times. And then the song ends, as does Mary's song in the scripture, with her offering herself. Here I am, Lord. I accept this responsibility. And then one of the most popular Christmas songs over the last few decades, it's not an old hymn as some of the old familiar favorites are. Mary, did you know? And our parish choir sang that at 8.30 this morning. It was very beautiful. Who this child was who he would become, the incredible things that he would do, the thorn in the flesh that he would become to many, including those who would one day attempt to put a crown of thorns on his head. Mary, did you have a clue as to what you were getting into? As if any first-time parent ever does. Did it ever occur to you that the pain of childbirth would pale in comparison to the pain of child death? Mary, what did you know 
when you said yes to the Holy One. One of my favorite devotional books, and I believe some of you use it as well in some conversations I've had with you, remembering our life, looking at our life, Frederick Buechner. And one of the ones that stands out for me, and there's a devotional for each day of the year, is March the 25th. In some faith traditions, it's known as the Day of or the Feast of Annunciation. Nine months before Christmas, think of it in those terms, don't think about nine times 30, 270 shopping days till Christmas. That's too early to get caught up in all of that stuff. But nine months before, the angel Gabriel had come to Mary. And so March 25th marks that day, though we don't know the exact day, with this incredible announcement. And then the way Frederick Bigner talks about that and says it's as if the whole world were holding its collective breath, waiting on the response of one young girl. If it's true that we can tell a lot by someone by the music they prefer, then maybe by looking at Mary's song, The Magnificat, we can get a little better idea today or at least be reminded of some things that we already know about who she was and this call on her life. And music is, isn't it, a very generational kind of thing. Even if you just know about somebody and know what kind of music they like and you've never seen them and can't tell how old they are, just by the songs they pick and the music that they love and the songs that they hum, you can kind of gauge somebody's age or someone's generation anyway. We can tell some things about Mary, I believe, by this song, The Magnificat, what she did and didn't know about this child she carried and about the Holy Spirit as the biological father, so to speak, of this child. The lyrics of Mary's song recorded in chapter 1, verses 46 through 55, and we're going to read some more of those verses. We've read a few. You've heard the choir beautifully sing some of those. But verses 39 through 45 sort of bridge this time together from when she had gone to a relative Elizabeth's house until she began to break out in the song that God had placed on her heart. Verse 39 now and following for just a moment. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. So you get the picture. We set the scene. Mary has traveled some little distance to a village. We believe the village is a village by the name of Ein Karim, where her relative Elizabeth lived. Elizabeth's husband, Zachariah, was a priest in the temple. Small village small mountain village, gathered in that humble home, Mary and Elizabeth. Elizabeth, an older woman, an older, much older woman, and Mary, just a girl. And they're rejoicing and they're enjoying one another's company and they're talking about what's going to happen. And neither one of them, the older, older woman or the young girl, neither one of them knows anything about giving birth to any babies. 
So Elizabeth praises Mary, tells her she's blessed because she believes. And then Mary surrenders to the song that's in her heart. And she begins to sing. If you can, can picture Mary singing this, this beautiful hymn, quoting much of it from the Old Testament there with Elizabeth on that day. And we're back in uh, Luke 1 now, verses 46 and 47. And Mary said, or Mary sang, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Paul wrote, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, things that are not, to reduce, to bring to nothing the things that are. Talk about turning things upside down, this Jesus would. God has always, it seems, searched for God's people to do God's work in the most insignificant places. And God has always chosen God's servants from seemingly the most insignificant of people. Just think about it. It's all through the Old Testament. It's here in the New Testament. Insignificant place, Nazareth. In that day and time, nowadays it's a bigger place. But at the time... Podunk is what some folk would have called it. <laughs> it just was nothing. You, you remember in, in John's Gospel when the question is asked in the early part of John's Gospel, can anything good come out of Nazareth? People didn't think much of Nazareth. And that's where the angel Gabriel went to find the Virgin Mary. Now, I imagine that like most small towns and small villages where the well was kind of the center of the town and people would come, often the women would come, and gather around the well. And they would talk about what's going on in town. And the folk who gathered around the well, believe it or not, would talk about other folk in town, especially those who weren't at the well at the moment. And uh, there was some tongue wagging and gossiping going on at the well just that goes on nowadays and maybe in a post office or in a cafeteria or wherever we gather. And can you imagine that they were not talking about Mary, this young woman, obviously expecting a child, unmarried? And another piece of this story is that the registration that took the Holy Family back to Bethlehem, well, only the male was required to go. Only Joseph was required to go and register or enroll and pay the taxes. Mary didn't have to go. Maybe the conversation went something like this. She said to Joseph, don't you think for a minute that you're going to leave me here? with all those folk down by the well while you go to Bethlehem by yourself. We're going together. And they did. 
lately, and insignificant people, insignificant places. God's always done that. Wonder if God's still doing that today. Some of the folks we write off, some of the folks we pay no attention to, some of the folks we condemn. Might be God's got his hand on those folk too. Verses 48 and 49, Mary continues to sing, dancing around in Elizabeth's living room that day. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. Jesus, the same Jesus that Mary carried in her womb and then carried in her arms, would years later sit on a mountainside and say to a large group of folk, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Jesus knew because of what he had learned and what he had heard and what Mary had taught him and shown him, he had learned that the mercy of the Lord endures forever. A whole lot of years later, there was another songwriter that came along, C. Austin Miles, who would pick up on this song as well, and he penned these words, words that are found in the old Cokesbury hymnal. And if you were fortunate enough to be at the gala this past Tuesday night, you heard Miss Pearl talking about the Cokesbury hymnal. And if you've never seen one, you need to look through one. There's great old music there, shape notes and round notes and all kinds of things. But my favorite in that hymnal is number 153, God's Love, His Mercy, and His Grace by C. Austin Miles. Combined to raise a fallen race, His hand is ready ere we call, stretched out with forgiveness for all. Mercy, that song continues to be sung. And sometimes, in some situations, in some places, that song needs to be sung more so than it is. Mary continues to sing and and to dance around Elizabeth's house, verses 50 and 51. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. Folk have tried in many and many, many, many ways across the years, ways too many to count to describe God. And one of those bazillion ways has been to speak of God as the ultimate mover and shaker in this world. We still think of God like that, don't we? God has quite a reputation for turning things upside down. But I believe that the further along we go in our spiritual walk, in our spiritual journey, toward a place of spiritual maturity, or as Wesley would call it, toward a place of perfection. The farther we go along that path, the more we begin to realize that God, through Christ, is not so much turning things upside down in this world, but that God, through Christ, is turning things right side up. Or, as Mary might sing, thinking about right side up, upside down, Mary now, verses 52 and 53, he has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. It can be said, I believe, that Mary understood her time and her place in history. 
She and the child she had sung about were vitally connected to everything that had ever come before and everything that would ever come after. And to everyone and everything. More specifically, she had a grasp of what some theologians refer to as salvation history. What a vital link she was in in that chain. Her child would be the ultimate fulfillment of the covenant, a covenant that God had initiated with Abraham so many centuries ago, and all of his descendants, and all of Mary's ancestors. Mary, did you know? What did you know? Too much to sing about in one song, that's for sure. And then verses 54 and 55, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. And then there came that holy, sacred night. Mary had been singing a few months earlier. And then the night of all nights had come. And and you will hear this story A lot of times between now and Christmas, I hope so. Luke 2. In those days a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. And then verse 19, but Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. Could it be that the first thing the babe saw was the face of his mother, the face of one who had said yes to God? What about when the risen Christ looks into our faces? Will he see the same thing? Amen.